0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, before we get into it, you may have noticed that the logo to the podcast has changed. Uh, there's no big deal. Everything else about the podcast is entirely the same. It's just I'm going to the Australian Podcast Awards tonight. Uh, Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt has been nominated in the children's category. And uh, at the awards, they want to put, like each of the podcasts that's nominated, they want to put the logos up on a huge screen behind you on the stage. And it turns out that the the logo I had, the resolution wasn't high enough and it looked kind of fuzzy when it was up on the big screen. So they said to me, can you give us some artwork? They call it artwork. Can you give us some artwork that has a higher resolution? So I got a designer to come up with the new logo and it looked really cool. So I thought I'll just change over the logo for everything. So that's why it's there. I just had to change it over because of boring issues relating to pixels and resolution and stuff like that. Okay, let's get into it. Today's story is The True History of Archimedes as Told by Nanny Piggins. Nanny Piggins and the children were just returning home after a long day at the school's athletics carnival. The children were exhausted because it was mandatory to go in at least one running race and one field event. But Nanny Piggins was exhausted as well. She'd won the parents and carers 100-metre sprint. She hadn't intended to go in the race, but an ice cream van had parked at the far end of the oval, and as soon as she'd smelled the hokey pokey ice cream, Nanny Piggins took off running. One of the other mothers of a boy in the second grade had, when she was younger, represented her country in the 4 by 400 m relay at the Olympics, so she was very surprised to see a petite pig in a Chanel gown shoot past her at the 75m mark. Nanny Piggins had also won the high jump. Parents and carers weren't actually meant to compete in this event, but Nanny Piggins was so shocked by how poor the human children were at jumping that she leapt out of the crowd and insisted that they let her demonstrate. The poor marshal on duty made the mistake of laughing at Nanny Piggins. He assumed, because she was only four foot tall and her legs were only one foot long, that she would not be good at leaping high in the air. This was a dreadful mistake. Obviously, Nanny Pickens was the world leader at being blasted into the sky out of a cannon, but she was also very good at leaping into the sky under her own steam as well. She was supremely athletic, and after years of training, perfectly aerodynamic. She paused only briefly to stomp on the marshal's foot, before running at the high jump bar and leaping over it at twice the height of any other athlete's jump. It would have been churlish indeed not to give her the gold medal just because she was an adult. She didn't attend the school and was a pig. So naturally, by the time they got home, Nanny Piggins and the children were all very tired and looking forward to a nice big slice or seven of cake, a mug of hot chocolate, and a warm shower before eating another seven slices of cake on the sofa while watching a relaxing horror movie. But as they stepped into the house, they were surprised to discover that it was raining inside. "'Children, did I get a head injury today that was so severe that I can't remember getting it?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'Am I hallucinating that it is raining in our hallway?' Is this a perfectly normal thing that happens all the time? No, I don't think you did get a head injury, said Derek. Not today, said Michael. Rain in the hallway is definitely not normal, added Samantha. Derek peered up at the ceiling. It looks like most of it's coming through the light fitting. What room is directly above the hallway, asked Nanny Piggins. Well, it would be the bathroom, said Samantha. Oh, dear, said Nanny Piggins. What's wrong, asked Derek. Listen, said Nanny Piggins. ''Well, it's hard to hear anything over the indoor rain,'' said Michael. ''If you listen carefully,'' said Nanny Piggins. Her ears were much larger than a human's, and therefore much more capable. ''You can hear Boris is weeping. We'd better get up there.'' Nanny Piggins and the children hurried up the stairs and over to the bathroom, but the door was locked. ''Let us in, Boris,'' urged Nanny Piggins. ''I'm sure whatever has happened to transform the downstairs light fitting into an indoor water feature can easily be fixed.'' or at least hidden behind a potted plant so that Mr Green need never find out. But Boris only wailed harder. Boris, come along now, said Nanny Piggins. You know we all love you. Whatever has occurred, we will support you and engage in whatever harebrained scheme is necessary to get you the money to repair any damage you may have done. But you need to let us in there so we can find out what the problem is. No, (laughs) it's too embarrassing, wailed Boris. Boris... If you don't let me in, said Nanny Piggins, I will let myself in. (laughs) Said Boris, I don't deserve your help. I'm a naughty, naughty bear. I'm coming in, said Nanny Piggins. If you need to grab a towel to protect your modesty, do it now. But he never wears clothes, Derek pointed out. He's a bear. He has fur. Boris doesn't see it that way, explained Nanny Piggins. He's very sensitive about these things. It's easiest just to humour him. Here we go. Three, two, one. Nanny Piggins kicked the door so hard it smashed open. Well, that was deeply satisfying, said Nanny Piggins. If you're wondering what to give me for my birthday, please do lock yourselves in the bathroom so I can do that again. They entered the bathroom and were met by a shocking sight. It was not the fact that Boris wasn't wearing clothes that was the problem. He wasn't, but that wasn't the concern. It was that he had somehow managed to get his 10-foot-tall, 700-kilogram frame wedged all the way into the normal human-sized bathtub. "'Oh, Boris,' exclaimed Nanny Piggins, "'what have you done?' "'I tried to take a bath,' sobbed Boris. "'But why, dear?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'You don't normally care for washing.' ''Oh, Sarah, it was awful,'' said Boris. ''I went down to the Honey Emporium.'' ''But I thought you were banned,'' said Samantha. ''It was only a one-year ban,'' said Boris. ''I was allowed back in at 2pm today. I'd saved all my pocket money from teaching yoga to senior citizens at the retirement village. I was so excited to be allowed back!'' I thought I'd just buy one or two dozen jars and take them home for a lovely little afternoon snack. And it didn't go that way, guessed Nanny Piggins. Oh, Sarah, said Boris, they had a 500-litre vat at the back of the store. There was a little sign saying you could bring your own container, fill it up and then weigh the container so they'd know how much to charge you. What did you do? asked Michael. Well, I didn't know about this system, said Boris, so I didn't have a container with me. I was just starting to weep about it. I did consider coming home to fetch the wheelbarrow. But then I thought it would be simpler if I just used myself as a container. So I twisted my head under the vat and opened the tap. And it all went horribly wrong, asked Derek. Oh, no, it all went wonderfully right, said Boris. Litres and litres of honey were directly pouring into my mouth. It was my every dream come true. Well, it would have been if I was wearing my best tutu and dancing with Anna Pavlova, but it was very close. But then I felt something brushing against my face. Now, obviously, when I'd started eating the honey, i closed my eyes so I could really focus on the full sensory experience of eating that much beautiful, sweet, golden liquid. But I opened my eyes to see what was happening, and I realised that the owner of the store was beating me about the head with a broom. I took this as a sign that they wanted me to stop. I do like to be helpful, so I twisted around to get out from under the vat. But the tap was not terribly accurate, so not all of the honey had gone in my mouth. There was a large puddle of honey on the floor, and as I tried to stand upright, I slipped and landed flat on my back in the puddle. "'Oh, Boris,' said Samantha. She would have given him a hug, but he was so covered in honey, she didn't want to get stuck to him. "'Well, how much honey did you eat?' asked Michael." "'I don't know,' said Boris. "'I felt terrible about what I'd done. "'I desperately wanted to pay. "'But when I rushed over to the counter "'and leapt on the scales to calculate the cost, "'the scale broke. "'Apparently they were kitchen scales, "'only designed for measuring weights up to five kilograms.' "'Oh, dear,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Boris weighed 700 kilograms, "'and when he leapt,' The laws of physics meant that his weight was multiplied by the speed of his movement. And as an elite ballet dancer, he had a powerful leap. So the force applied to the poor little scales must have been very large indeed. Hey parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. So I've been banned again for another 12 months, said Boris forlornly. It's probably for the best, dear, said Nanny Piggins. The nice man who owns the mini market would be dreadfully upset if you stopped buying all your honey there. I saw him driving a bright red convertible Aston Martin last week. He waved and told me to tell you you're his favourite customer. But I was so ashamed, said Boris, and I was so covered in honey. I wanted to get it all off so I could block the whole painful ordeal from my mind. Obviously, I didn't want to waste any honey, so I licked off all the honey I could reach, but I could only get the honey on my front half. Even with my elite levels of flexibility, I was unable to twist around far enough to lick my own back, so I decided to take a bath. "'But why, darling?' said Nanny Piggins. "'You've never had one before.' Boris usually washed by going down to the fire station and letting the firefighters blast him with their hoses. "'I did try the fire station first, admitted Boris. "'But none of them were there. "'Apparently they were busy putting out an actual fire.' "'So inconvenient,' said Nanny Piggins. "'So I came home and filled up the bath,' said Boris.' that part went very well. I put in some lovely bubble bath so I'd smell nice and my fur would be all shiny. I knew there was a lot of honey on my back so I knew I'd need a lot of water to get it off. I made sure I filled the bathtub right up to the brim. Now I was a bit nervous because it was the first time I'd had a proper bath so I decided it was best to do it quickly before I lost my nerve. So I closed my eyes, took a deep breath, held my nose and leapt into the bath. Oh no, said Derek. It's not been a good day for leaping for you, has it, said Michael. No, agreed Boris. I leapt with pinpoint accuracy, landing bottom first in the tub. But as I leapt in, all the water leapt out. It all sloshed out onto the floor. I don't know why. It's like the water was too ashamed to wash me. Oh, you poor dear, comforted Nanny Piggins. It's not you. I'm sure the water would be honoured to help you get the honey out of your fur. The water left your bathtub because of a force beyond your control. The force of mathematics. Michael gasped. (gasps) Not mathematics. I'm afraid so, said Nanny Piggins. Mathematics has a lot to answer for. Economics, economics, weight gain, being used to torture small children in the form of algebra. All those things are caused by mathematics. What are you talking about? asked Derek. We all know your feelings on the immorality of teaching difficult mathematics to small children or adults, said Nanny Pickens. Obviously, you need to understand the mathematics of cake baking and oven temperatures. But when do you ever need to calculate the third angle in a triangle? Well, I think it comes up quite a lot for engineers, said Samantha. "'More fool them,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Didn't you have to know about parabolas when you were a flying pig?' asked Derek. "'Galileo used to give maths lessons to artillery officers "'so that they could fire their cannons the correct distances.' "'Yes, poor Galileo,' said Nanny Piggins. "'She never realised they were firing cannonballs. "'She'd assumed they were just enthusiasts for helping flying pigs.' But the reason it's raining in our front hallway has nothing to do with Galileo, said Nanny Piggins. The pickle Boris finds himself in has been caused by a mathematician from the ancient Greek history days. Not Zeus, exclaimed Samantha. No, maths was not Zeus's strong point, said Nanny Piggins, unless he was counting how many nymphs he'd kidnapped. No, the ancient Greek mathematician I am referring to is Archimedes who just so happens to have been a distant relative of mine. What a surprise, said Michael. You're going to have to tell us the whole story, said Samantha. All right, I will, said Nanny Piggins. But first of all, let's fetch all the butter from the kitchen. Boris is tightly stuck in this bathtub. But if we smear butter all over him, he should be slippery enough that we can break the seal and then pull him out. I'll tell you the story while we work. Twenty minutes later, they all had a stick of butter in each hand and were rubbing it all over Boris as Nanny Piggins told her tale. It all happened in the ancient Greek history days. Archimedes was an incredibly clever mathematician and scientist living on the island of Syracuse but isn't Syracuse in Italy? asked Derek. Well, it is now, said Nanny Piggins, but it wasn't then. Back in the ancient Greek history days, just about everything from Italy to India was part of Greece, because Alexander the Great was so tremendously good at conquering everybody. So anyway, Archimedes was in her house doing lots of clever scientific things all the time. Her? asked Michael. So Archimedes was a woman? Was she also a pig? "'Well, she was a mathematician so brilliant that even today "'nobody can conceive of how she thought of such clever things. "'So of course she was a Piggins!' "'Now, being so brilliant, the king of Syracuse kept popping by "'and asking her to do him favours. "'The king?' asked Samantha. "'Yes, Archimedes had the misfortune of actually being related "'to King Helos II of Syracuse,' said Nanny Piggins. "'But we mustn't blame her. "'We all of us have unfortunate, no-good relatives we are forced to endure.' "'Like your no-good brother Bramwell?' asked Michael. "'Yes. Thankfully, Bramwell has never been made king of an important island,' said Nanny Piggins. "'It would certainly be insufferable if that ever happened.' So this king kept asking his cousin Archimedes for help. Usually the help he wanted was clever new types of weaponry, because the Roman Empire was starting up next door to Syracuse and King Helos was concerned about defending himself. So in between working out groundbreakingly brilliant ideas about the principles of mathematics, Archimedes would whip up some ideas for weapon design, you know, giant catapults, solar death rays, that sort of thing solar death rays, asked Michael. Yes, they involved a lot of convex mirrors, said Nanny Piggins. They didn't necessarily work, but it kept the king busy making them so Archimedes could get on with her mathematics. Anyway, one day the king came to Archimedes with a different type of problem. You see, the king had asked a goldsmith to make a new crown to go in the temple. The king gave the goldsmith enough pure gold to make this crown. The goldsmith took the gold away, melted it down and shaped it into the crown and returned it to the king. But there was something about the goldsmith that the king did not quite trust. The king began to worry that perhaps the gold in his new crown was not the same gold as the gold he had given the goldsmith. You know, gold is so incredibly valuable, even a few crumbs of gold would be enough to provide a family with food for months. What if the goldsmith had kept half the gold for himself and melted down a less valuable metal like silver and mixed that in with the gold to make the crown? So the king took the new crown to Archimedes and asked if there was a way she could measure the amount of pure gold in the crown. Archimedes puzzled over the conundrum. Well, we know how much gold weighs, and we know how much silver weighs, said Archimedes, and gold weighs more than silver. So if someone substituted in silver, that would weigh less. Brilliant, said the king. But the problem is, said Archimedes, to work it out properly, we'd need to know the volume of the crown. Well, what is it? asked the king. "'Well, it's impossible to work out,' said Archimedes. "'It's easy to work out the volume of a shape with even sides. "'The volume of a cube is the height times the width times the depth. "'A sphere is pi times the radius cubed. "'But a crown is an uneven object. "'It can't be measured in any of the standard ways.' "'Well, then you will just have to invent a way of measuring it,' said the king. "'Or or, or I'll cut your head off.' "'Did he really say that?' asked Michael." "'Probably,' said Nanny Piggins. "'I don't really know. "'My distant relative, Archimedes Piggins, "'had stopped listening to the king at this point. "'She was so fascinated by the problem. "'She didn't even notice the king leave the room "'and demand her answer within the week. "'She was too busy studying the crown and thinking. "'Archimedes thought about the crown day and night. "'She wore it to bed, hoping to dream up the solution. "'She wore it to the shops, "'hoping inspiration would strike her "'while picking out a pumpkin. "'But nothing. "'She just couldn't figure it out.' Seven days had passed, and Archimedes was supposed to visit the king and give a solution the next day. "'Oh, what am I going to do?' worried Archimedes. She didn't want to make the king cross. She definitely didn't want to get beheaded. "'Well, the first thing you should do,' said her housekeeper, "'is take a bath. You stink!' "'She sounds like a very rude housekeeper,' said Boris.' Oh, you have to understand, the poor woman had to take care of a scientist all day, said Nanny Piggins. It was exhausting work. You know what scientists are like. Sure, Einstein thought up relativity and Marie Curie thought up radiation, but neither of them had the good sense to comb their hair. I hate to think what other personal hygiene practices they skipped. And Archimedes was just as bad. She'd been thinking so hard about calculating the volume of the crown, she hadn't washed all week. If he doesn't cut your head off for not figuring out how to measure the volume of a crown," said that housekeeper, "then he'll definitely cut your head off once he gets a whiff of you." Archimedes thought this was sound advice, so before she ventured down to the palace, she ran a bath. She filled it all the way to the top, then got in. Now Archimedes was not a skinny person. The Greeks have a wonderful cuisine, and if you live somewhere sensible enough to have leucamades, a delicious type of honey-soaked doughnuts, you'd be a fool not to eat them every day. So when she got into the bath, still mulling her problem, a big wave of water slushed right out. "'What have you done now, you silly scientist?' exclaimed the housekeeper. "'You splashed bath water everywhere!' Archimedes jumped out of the bathtub and hugged her housekeeper. "'No, I haven't!' she cried. "'Don't you see? "'I've splashed out the bathwater equal to my own volume!' "'Well, that's a lot of bathwater!' grumbled the housekeeper. "'Yes, but it's easy to measure the volume of water,' said Archimedes. "'You can just pour it into a measuring jug, and then you'll know the volume!' "'Huh?' said the housekeeper. "'I can do the same thing with the crown,' cried Archimedes. "'If I put it in a bathtub of water, "'the volume of water that spills out "'equals the volume of the crown. "'It's just a question of measuring the displaced water. "'I shall call it displacement theory. "'And once I know the volume of the crown, "'I can work out what percentage of it "'was made with true gold.'" But why do you have to spill anything else, the housekeeper? Couldn't you just drop the crown in a half-full bathtub and see how much the water level goes up? That would work too, cried Archimedes. Eureka! Which is Greek for, I've got it. And so Archimedes ran down the road into town, totally start naked, yelling, Eureka! 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 She did that totally naked, asked Michael. Yes, said Nanny Piggins. But it was the ancient Greek history days and people did a lot more things totally naked back then, like the Olympics. Huh, said Derek. All the athletes at the Olympics used to be completely naked, said Nanny Piggins. But that's another story. Remind me to tell you the story of my great, great, great aunt Nicola Piggins and how she won the wrestling gold medal at the first Olympics. The end time for bed. But Boris is still stuck in the bathtub, Michael pointed out. Oh, so he is, said Nanny Piggins. All right, children, grab hold of a limb. Don't worry, Boris, we'll soon pull you out. One, two, three, heave! They heaved as hard as they could, but Boris didn't move a millimetre. Boris wasn't much help at this point either because he was too busy weeping. What are we going to do, asked Samantha. I wonder, said Nanny Piggins, if the nice firefighters have put their fire out by now, perhaps they'd be willing to come by and help us a little. What did you have in mind, asked Derek. Well, I have an idea for a displacement experiment of my own, said Nanny Piggins. And so half an hour later, the firefighters from the local station were all at the Green household helping to free Boris. Nanny Piggins had got them to rig up one of their super high-powered hoses to the drain at the bottom of the bathtub. And when she said go, they turned the hose on hard and water gushed up so that thousands of litres shot up the drainpipe and flooded up against Boris's back. There was a moment's pause as the pressure built then suddenly with a loud <pop> <pop> Boris flew out of the bath, propelled two metres in the air by the powerful geyser beneath him. Luckily, he was a trained ballet dancer, so he landed daintily and got a lovely round of applause from the firefighters. "'Wow, that was so cool,' said Michael. "'And so pretty,' said Nanny Piggins. "'People should include fountains indoors more often.' "'There's going to be even more water in the downstairs hall now,' said Samantha. "'We'll just tell your father it was caused by El Nino,' said Nanny Piggins. "'He can hardly blame us if a sudden and powerful weather system pops up in the house. "'Come along. "'All this talk of ancient Greece has made me hungry for honey-covered doughnuts. "'It would be rude to let the firefighters go home without three or four dozen each.' And that is the end of the story. The end. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Next week, we're going to begin the holiday episodes. I'm thinking of if there's a new episode I'm going to write for next week about Saturnalia, which is the ancient Roman winter festival. So tune in next week for that one. Okay, that's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.